You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that gets really impatient when a host team doesn't update the live scoring sheet in a timely fashion. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. If there is one thing that the past 12 months have taught us, it is that there are some things outside of our control and you just got to make the best of them. Really, really cold weather is one of those things. So Auburn was all set to resume the 2020-2021 season this week by heading out to Texas and riding against SMU on Friday morning. Well, earlier in the week, Mother Nature shoved a whole bunch of ice and snow down into the Lone Star State, wreaking havoc and making for some real unpleasantness. So, with the cold and ice, SMU decided to cancel the meet with us because they weren't so sure that they'd be able to adequately uh, get all the horses warmed up properly and just have everything running smoothly and safely. So that left Auburn changing plans, skipping the SMU meet, and going straight over to Texas A&M on Saturday. And it wasn't just SMU that did that. Other teams did the same thing. Oklahoma State and TCU, they postponed their meet. And also next week's rematch meet as well. So the icy weather hit just everyone over there kind of hard. Oh yeah, if you're wondering why Texas A&M didn't also cancel, well, the Aggies have a show enough set of facilities over there in College Station. Their equestrian center is basically a mini college just for the horses, not the people. They got everything over there. I mean, they probably have like a darn fallout shelter underground where they can take those horses when the Russians attack. It is really nice. And apparently everyone else in the country is kind of jealous of their facilities, so... (sighs) Well, before we talk about the Auburn meet, let's do a quick recap of last week's ranking so everyone kind of knows where we are. Now, number one is Auburn. They're undefeated. They're amazing. Yada, yada, yada. War damn eagle. Number two, Georgia. They beat South Carolina last week and are now number two in the SEC standings and also nationally. Number three is Texas A&M. They recently beat Baylor, plus they beat South Carolina in the fall. So they're good. Number four is Baylor. The Bears lost to A&M and beat TCU, uh, and they lead the Big 12. Number five is South Carolina. The Gamecocks are slipping a little bit. They're kind of doing what I thought Georgia would do this year, Um, but they're still a good team. They're just not a great team, apparently. Number six is TCU. Uh, They lost to Baylor, but they beat SMU. Plus, they beat some low-level teams, so they're number six. Number seven is SMU. They beat those same low-level teams, and that's about it. Number eight is Oklahoma State. They've just been chilling this whole time and watching old movies of how great they were last season. Number nine is Fresno State. They want to grow up to be just like Oklahoma State, so they're doing the exact same thing. And number 10 is South Dakota State. Uh, First, yes, they actually have an equestrian team. And second, they are one of those low-level teams, but they have beaten another low-level team, and they're just happy to be here. Boom, that's your recap, and now on to this week's action. So we had the SMU versus Auburn meet on Friday called off, so we're just going to jump straight on into Saturday's meet. 
at Texas A&M. Uh, but before we get started, I want to talk a bit about the whole head-to-head equestrian format and some number theory here. Now, the head-to-head format in College Equestrium uh, is random, and the way it works is you get the riders from each team matched together in an event. And it's, since it's completely random, you don't know who's going to get matched against whom. Now, sometimes these lineups can work out and make a huge difference in how many points you're going to end up getting. It's actually possible to have a better team and still lose the majority of points in an event if the lineup goes a very certain way. I like to think about it kind of like the card game Rook. In Rook, you have a trump suit at the beginning of the game, but if you can fish out all the cards of that trump suit early, you can win a bunch of points later on. Um, with any old suit. Well, in equestrian lineups, it can kind of work that same way. Now, imagine you and I, we both have teams with five riders on it in an event. Now, also, your team is a little bit better than my team, okay? So, like, your number one's a little bit better than my number one, your number two's a little bit better than my number two, and so on down the line. Well, if I could get the lineup so that my number five rider is matched against your number one rider, Well, I'm willing to give up that point because my number five rider wasn't going to win anyway. But then that shifts everything down so that now my number one rider is up against your number two and my number two is up against your number three and so on down the line. So I might lose that first head to head, um, but my fifth rider wasn't going to win anyway. But then I end up taking the other four. So that way, even though you have a better team, I still win four of those five points. Now, The only way to really ensure that that couldn't happen is if you just went out and stockpiled a whole team of really good riders and then it really wouldn't matter who got matched against whom. But of course, you know, that's the ideal scenario. Everybody wants to do that. Well, at Auburn, we kind of almost have. So the day started off with fences and Auburn is so deep here that it is tough to get a situation where another team's lineup can fish out the Trump suit, so to speak. Auburn won four of the five head-to-heads here with A&M's best fences rider, uh, Caitlin Lovingfloss, getting a narrow win over Michaela Langmire. Now, normally, Michaela would take that point, but Lovingfloss is legit, y'all. Uh, so there's no shame in uh, not winning that point there. Uh, the most outstanding performance award in fences went to Taylor St. Jacques. Uh, Taylor is probably a little bit better historically on the flat event, so to see her win the MOP in fences means, you know, it's going to be a good day for Auburn. Uh, Also, I want to throw the spotlight here on Megan Knappick a bit. Uh, She is so quiet and understated normally that hopefully she won't get too embarrassed by this. Uh, But Megan is probably, you know, about our number five rider on fences, and so for her to go and get her point there, that is a really good indication that we have a strong team riding that day. So, you know, when your number five rider's out there winning, you got you got good chances. So good job, Megan. So next over on to horsemanship. Uh, the matchups gave us a real clash of the Titans uh, right out of the gate there. We had Haley Riddle over for um, Texas A&M up against Olivia Tordoff for Auburn. Now, Riddle is probably their second best returning horsemanship rider from last year. They have a girl named Alex Albright who did really well last season, but we haven't seen her in any action uh, this so far this season. No idea what's up there, but uh, yeah, A&M's got somebody on their roster still that they ain't using. So without her uh, in the lineup, they're basically conceding about two-thirds of a point every meet because that's what she was worth to them last year. So 
Again, no idea what's going on, but that's good news for Auburn because now that means that Haley Riddle is their best and uh, she happened to be going up against our best in the event and she's not as good as Olivia Tardoff. You know how we know that? Well, it's because Olivia got a half point better than Haley did on Saturday. So yeah, I mean, Haley Riddle turned in a really good, uh, I think it was a 77 and a half uh, point ride. And boy, when that thing went up on the board, everybody was thinking, wow, that's really good. But then about 20 minutes later, you know, Tordoff gets her ride and boom, a 78 pops up and bang, you know, things started looking real bad for uh, A&M at that point. Uh, Taylor Sears got her point. Maddie Spack got hers. Uh, Madison Pardon rode her first start of the season against a beatable foe who just had a really good ride that day. Sometimes it's like that, y'all. Um, and then Deanna Green uh, dropped the dang hammer on uh, Mackenzie Chapman with an MOP performance. Boom! So, at the end of horsemanship, Auburn was up 8-2 to two at the half. That is a super big lead, and it is almost insurmountable. After halftime, the action turned back over to the fancy English riding with equitation on the flat. Now, in my preview for this meet, I mentioned that uh, against everyone but Baylor, Texas A&M's flat riders have been very, very good, and that the flat and the reigning were pretty much going to determine whether Auburn won this meet going away or were in for a very close uh, fight. Well, the Aggies continued to be good in the flat. Uh, Taylor St. Jacques defeated uh, Nicole Leonard over there for A&M. She's good. Uh... But, you know, when you're up against the flat rider All-American, that's a pretty tough draw. So she didn't win that point. Auburn won that point. Next, Auburn's Lindsey Klein uh, got a start here, uh, and she went up against Loving Floss. Now, this was actually a winnable point for Lindsey because Loving Floss uh, really is a lot better on the fences side than she is on the flat. So, uh, but Lindsey actually didn't have a very good ride, and so A&M did get that point. Uh, then Emma Kurtz went up against uh, Ryan Murphy. Murphy is a flat specialist. Uh, She ends up winning about half of her points. Uh, She got this one here uh, over Kurtz. And then the next matchup saw uh, A&M's best flat rider, Caroline Dance, up against Michaela Langmeyer. Uh, Michaela got the point here and also turned in the MOP ride. Woo! Uh, This was really big because, you know, like I said, Dance is their best flat rider. So... We really wanted either Michaela or St. Jacques to get matched up against her uh, pretty much any time we can, because then if we can, you know, take a point away from her, then that boy, that really helps us. So uh, in the final matchup, we had Auburn's Ava Stearns going up against Mally Selman, and this was a winnable point for uh, Stearns, but Selman was just really on, on her game that day. And so uh, she was one point better than Stearns was. She got that point overall. And so the event closed out uh, where they had three points. We only had two. And they closed our lead a little bit. So after this, we're heading over into raining. In fact, actually raining was going on simultaneously. So so some of the points in raining were coming before we were done with uh, the flat now, in reigning, the notorious Terry June Granger was matched against Ariana Gray. Uh, Terry June actually beat her by a half point back in the fall and looked to have done the same thing on Saturday, but then they had a video review after she was done with her ride and they changed her 76 uh, down to a zero. So apparently there was something in the routine where she messed up on the pattern or something and uh, that essentially gave the point to Gray. Now, Boot Camera was up next against Emmylou Marsh. 
Uh, I would favor Boo in this matchup, uh, but Marsha's been getting a lot better uh, since she rode against us in the fall, and so it showed uh, she only finished a half point behind Camera. But we got that point, and that's all we want to talk about. Next, uh, Taylor Searles defeated uh, Shelby Rain. Uh, I expected Rain to do better, but it wasn't even close, uh, which is great for Auburn. Now, at this point, we had won the day. Everything was done, but we still got some rides going on. So the only drama really was just how big was this win going to be? And the answer is kind of big. <laughs> uh, Olivia Marino got her point against um, A&M's Bricker. Uh, Bricker has more experience, but, you know, good for Olivia getting that close point. Um, then we have Deanna Green again capping off her perfect day by defeating uh, Kenley Wells. This was Wells' first career start, so asking her to come in and take down Green, uh, especially when Green laid down another MOP ride uh, in this event, too. Um, Yeah, that would be asking a bit much from the newcomer to do that. So uh, she came close, though, actually. It was it was pretty uh, it was a pretty close. The scores were so, you know, look out for Wells in the future. She's probably going to be a pretty good rider for them. But after the overall, uh, the 4-1 to victory in reigning, Auburn ended up the day with a convincing 14-6 to win. Um, now, I'm sure that A&M is telling themselves that they coulda, shoulda, woulda on some of these close, you know, points that if they had gone the other way and all this stuff. But, you know, they did get that kind of a gift point over in reigning. And then, you know, some of these matchups had a very short suiting yourself in Rook kind of a feel to them where a lesser A&M rider kind of got sacrificed to a top A&M, a top Auburn rider, so that then those middle uh, Aggie riders could kind of slide their matchups down uh, Auburn's roster and get a, a better matchup there. So honestly, I I really don't think this meet could be interpreted as anything other than a resounding Auburn win. I mean, we do have one event where the Aggies did get uh, more points than we did in it, uh, and all that really did was just turn an embarrassing loss into a convincing loss, and that kind of shows that it would really take a combination of many different things, like Auburn mistakes and a lot of amazing rides from the opponent, to beat this Auburn team. And for over two years now, nobody has been able to come up with that combination, so... The longest active winning streak in all of college athletics has now increased to over about 1,033 days. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. 
Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. Now let's take a look around the sport. We're going to go back in time a little bit here. We're going to go back to Friday's meet that did not get canceled or postponed. Uh, The Golden Eagles of Minnesota Crookston visited UT Martin for a Western-only meet. Now, this is a bit weird to me. Most times when you only have a partial meet, it is a jump-and-seat-only meet. Uh, This is the first Western-only meet that I can recall since I have been following the sport. So that means what they did was they only did horsemanship and reining. Now, both these schools would fall into that lower-level team category where they just don't have as many of the resources that an SEC or a Big 12 school would have. So when you're a fan and you get kind of used to these minute-by-minute updates that um, you'll have at Auburn and some of these other teams, you know, they don't really do that well or that much updating at these smaller schools. You have the live online score sheet. And again, I'm doing air quotes on the word live because that means very different things to different people, apparently. You try to follow the score along, uh, but it might be 20, 30 minutes after the event is over before that score sheet gets updated. So if they're not making posts on social media about who won what, uh, you really kind of are just sitting there for a long time thinking, well, gee, I wonder who won that. Now, uh, the way this meet went, overall, UT Martin dominated. Uh, they won horsemanship 4-1, to one, and then they swept reigning 5 uh, to nothing. Oh, wait, look here. I think we have a sound clip from our vault that we need to pull out for everybody to listen to. While Auburn is going to be battling SMU on Friday, Minnesota Crookston will be visiting UT Martin. But I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that UT Martin's probably going to rebound from their loss to South Dakota State two weeks ago, and they're probably going to get the home victory. Auburn Elvis, very nice. That is the sound that goes off in my head uh, every time a prediction comes true. (laughs) Well, anyway, this meet doesn't tell us too much uh, because Minnesota Crookston might not be very good, but we did see some riders for UT Martin. They won some points uh, here, and they've also won some points against bigger schools, and they're continuing to ride well, so that confirms that, you know, the Skyhawks, they they have a couple of decent riders, uh, Hannah McDonald, Noah Meadows, and Bailey Newland, so look out for those names if you, you know, are paying attention in some of these other meets. Uh, they just don't have a whole bus full of talent like Auburn does. So, while this meet did not have a lot of national ramifications, it was nice to see U2 Martin go out and, you know, get their first win of the season. Now, after Auburn and Texas A&M finished up on Saturday, we had one more meet to keep an eye on. Fresno State at UC Davis. These two teams have not competed since March, and their meet last week in Fresno got canceled. So, this is our first look at either in a long time. Fresno State was really good last season when they were at home. On the road, not so much. UC Davis uh, was good for UC Davis, which means that they pretty much bounced in and out of the number 10 position in the rankings all last year. Well, both of these teams lost a fair amount of talent from last year, especially Fresno State. The Bulldogs lost half of their starters from last season, and that is going to be tough to replace. So let's see how things went. Uh, Both these teams have smaller programs than Auburn, so you don't get the typical social media updates uh, like I talked about. Uh, The live score sheet is kind of like over at UT Martin, you know, they just don't have the staff of an SEC school, so there's probably just one person and an assistant doing all the updates and social media posts and anything else they need done. 
they actually did a decent job of keeping us up to date once things got going. It was a little dicey in the start there, but uh, they did that okay. And then they actually streamed uh, most of their rides on social media with somebody's phone. So in that respect, they're actually ahead of Auburn. (laughs) So the day started up in fences. And based on the lineup, I kind of figured that there would be two head-to-heads that uh, would be favored for each team here. And then one head-to-head that was going to be a toss-up. Well, I was right. Uh, Fresno got two points. Uh, UC Davis got their two points. And then that toss-up also went to UC Davis. So at the beginning here, uh, Aggies were up 3-2 to to start the day. Next, over in horsemanship, the lineups favored Fresno State in about four of the matchups, and then that fifth one was going to be a toss-up. Now, that toss-up went to UC Davis, and then we had one of those head-to-heads that I was favoring um, uh, Fresno State in. It also went to UC Davis. So, what we ended up with at the end of the uh, horsemanship was an overall lead by Fresno State, 5-4. Uh, to four. So, they had pulled back ahead. Then, after the half... Uh, we went over to equitation on the flat. Now, those lineups suggested that each team would get a point, and then there would be three that were just up for grabs. And, kind of as expected, each team took those one points with their strong riders, and then UC Davis got two of those toss-up points, and uh, Fresno State got the one, and so that tied the meet up at 7-7 all. So, going into the final one, uh, reigning, everything's tied up. Now, I want to point out that none of these events are going on simultaneously. This ain't like the Texas A&M-Auburn meet where, you know, you kind of have to bounce back and forth and see who's currently winning points based on two different events. No, 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 no. At UC Davis, they do one event, and then they go and, you know, watch a movie, and then they come back and do another event and all this, and it takes a darn lot of time. Uh, everything is stretched so far out and it's so slow and, and, oh my goodness, it took forever for them to finish this meet. So in the final event, here we go, it's raining. Um, so the lineups here look to favor each team with one of these head-to-heads and then the other three were toss-ups. Well, UC Davis, they took two of those toss-ups, but Fresno State took one of them and upset the Aggies in one of the rides that really favored uh, and, uh, UC Davis. So that gave Fresno State 3-2 to two points here in this event and a 9-10 to 10 victory overall. It was a very close meet. Oh, wait, uh, what is that sound? Number nine, Fresno State, will make the short trip over to UC Davis. Fresno State had a great run last season, but they lost half their starting lineup. Still, I'm going to go ahead and predict that they beat um, uh, the Mustangs over there in Davis. But don't be shocked if UC Davis does pull off the upset. Again, it's a home meet, and those are a big deal. Auburn Elvis, very nice. You will notice that I did get confused, and I called UC Davis the Mustangs when their mascot is clearly the Aggies, so that was dumb. Sorry, y'all. I'll take a half-point deduction on that. So, yeah, you know, I mentioned this, but I just want to reiterate just how slowly things move out in California. There is no sense of urgency at all. The The darn meet started at uh, 1 p.m. local time and did not end until after 7 p.m. local time. There, I mean, there is no way they're ever going to get the, their home meets shown on TV because nobody can trust them to stay within a three-hour programming window. I mean, it's crazy. I gotta, I gotta remember to ask uh, Greg Williams and them if when they did their UC meet, UC Davis meet last year, if it took that long because just a six-hour meet is insane, y'all. 
I mean, do they only have one horse that they're all borrowing? I mean, what is this? This is crazy. Anyway, all right, enough of that rant. Now, let's talk about the rankings. So, we didn't get all the action that we wanted this week, but there was enough to impact the rankings just a little bit. So, let's see where everyone is ranked now at the end of week eight. Just a reminder, I am currently leading a crusade against the NCEA's ranking. Uh, They are terrible. And in a season like this, with so little information, the NCA poll voters have basically taken it upon themselves to use equitation over feelings results whenever there aren't actual results to go by. But not me. I go by how well teams have actually done in the rings, and that's all. So, let's take a look at that. At number one is Auburn. The Tigers now have four quality wins and hold the longest ongoing winning streak in all of college sports, so you better believe they are number one. At number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. They were idle this week, and only Texas A&M has two quality wins like they do, so since they beat the Aggies, Georgia is number two. Number three is Texas A&M. Now, this probably shocks some people, but guess what? I can't penalize the Aggies for not doing the impossible, okay? So until someone beats Auburn, no one is going to get punished for losing to Auburn. Uh, Plus, nobody else has two quality wins like A&M does, so they stay at number three. Number four is Baylor. The Bears have one quality win, and they lead the Big 12, so they are number four. Number five is South Carolina. The Gamecocks have a quality win over Georgia, and that barely keeps them ahead of the next place team. At number six is TCU. The Horned Frogs have one quality win over SMU. Now, some of their fans think that their road loss to Baylor should essentially be counted as a win. But if we're out here counting losses as wins, then what are we even doing here? No, Frogs, I'm sorry. You are number six. If you want to do better, then, you know, try beating some good teams instead of losing to them. Number seven is SMU. The Mustangs have no quality wins, but no one below them does either. And I have to put somebody at number seven, so it's SMU. At number eight is Fresno State. The Bulldogs finally have a win on their resume. And while it wasn't against a particularly strong team, at least it is something more to go by than equitation over feelings. At number nine, we have Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls have once again been the victims of cancellations outside their control. But don't worry, OSU. If you start beating some teams, you will move up the rankings, I promise. And at number 10... Once again, are the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Now, I will admit, I was tempted to move UC Davis to number 10 because of their narrow loss to Fresno State, but I can't honestly say that the Aggies would beat the Jackrabbits, so South Dakota State remains at number 10 for the third straight week. Woohoo! But don't get too comfortable, Jackrabbits. Delaware State is about to face the team that you beat in a tiebreaker, And if they win, well, they could have a more impressive resume than you do, so just be prepared for that. Now, looking ahead to Auburn's next opponent, we have South Carolina coming to Auburn. The Gamecocks are struggling right now. They beat Georgia in the fall, but they didn't really come close to doing it in the rematch a few weeks ago. Now they have to step in front of a runaway wheat thresher that is Auburn Equestrian. The Gamecocks are decent in each event. In the fall, they had a good horsemanship performance against Texas A&M and Georgia, and uh, their flat team also looks pretty strong. Now, this is a team with two or three really good riders in each event, but then the talent 
level kind of drops off in those last few positions in their lineups. So, the riders to look out for in each event are, in fences, Trinity Hammerschmidt. She was undefeated until facing uh, Georgia two weeks ago, so she's good. Madeline Schaefer, her only loss this year was to Michaela Langmire of Auburn. Uh, and Louisa Brackett. She did really well last season. Uh, she's been a bit inconsistent this season, so if she gets hot, you know, we'll have to watch out for her. On the flat, we have Kit Cunningham over there. Right? We don't have, they have Kit Cunningham. She's real good. Uh, she got a point from us in the fall, so yeah, there you go. That, that means she's good. Uh, Caroline Bald, she's another girl who got a point from us in the fall, and when she's on her game, she is real good. Uh, she's been struggling a little bit here and there. Trinity Hammerschmidt is uh, another girl. She's, you know, she does fences and flat, and she's a little bit better in fences than the flat, but she's kind of up and down on the flat. So, you know, if she's up, boy, we got to watch out for her. All right, on over to horsemanship. They have a girl named Alexa Thorpe. Uh, this is She's a junior, and she has really improved this season. So she can, she can score points for them. Uh, Taylor Keelum is another girl. She was really good last season. She looks pretty good this season, too. And uh, another one to watch out for is Kamia McGrath. She's that transfer from A&M, and um, she hasn't been in the lineup in every meet, but I think we might see her in the lineup uh, come this week, so we'll see. Over in reigning, we have Mackenzie Duncan. Uh, she's had a lot of success this year. Uh, Sloan Voigt has done uh, mostly horsemanship uh, in the past, but they have seen, they, they've moved her on over to reigning this year. And she's been getting better. So once she settles into that event, she could be really tough. So that's how it is for them. Those are the ones to watch. Um, Overall, they're really hoping to get into some of those uh, short suiting situations that I talked about where their lower riders, you know, can get matched against their top riders in the hope that their middle can kind of take more points against our lower riders and, you know, stuff like that. But it's a tough situation to be in since everything is random. Uh, it, it, frankly, it would take a very amazing uh, set of circumstances for them to get uh, 10 or more points from Auburn. It's possible, you know, if, if Auburn shows up and we're not focused, um, then it could happen. But if Auburn is riding well, then the Gamecocks really have no chance, no matter what the rotations do. So they're hovering around that line that kind of separates teams that can beat Auburn and teams that cannot beat Auburn. and. This weekend is probably going to tell us if they're above that line or below it. I predict Auburn will once again take the majority of points in every event and beat South Carolina convincingly. So, check back next week where we will recap the South Carolina meet plus uh, six other meets around the country. This is going to be a big week in the sport and we are going to get a much better picture of how all these teams stack up. I will be attending the Auburn meet on Saturday, so come on by and say hello. Um, actually, I don't think Auburn has officially said yet if they're allowing fans, but since they did a really good job of handling fans in the fall, I bet we're going to see fans uh, allowed again on Saturday. I love chatting with fans uh, like Dr. Herb on Twitter. It was really cool to meet him, mask to mask. And uh, if any of you uh, riders' parents are there, come on by and see me. Actually, I may want to do a quick video interview with some of y'all on the spot, if you're brave enough. Well, that is our show for this week. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Well, thank you very much for listening. War Eagle and War Horses. 
Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?